Good morning, and welcome to this place. It's good to be here. I look forward to it every week, and I hope you do too. We worship the only one worthy of our worship, the one true God, maker of heaven and earth. I'm going to open this morning with uh, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive from the Lord, sorry, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Would you stand and pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning knowing that you are this king of glory. And we bend the knee, we bow our hearts, we humble ourselves before you and give you praise and give you thanks. And we acknowledge that you are the one who reigns. And so, Father, as we commit to you this service of worship, I pray that you would inhabit our hearts, that you would put away from our minds all that distracts, and that you would help us to be of one mind in our worship of you. Thank you for this time together. Uh, we pray that you would receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Heather, please lead us. Well, I was going to invite you to stand, but that seems like a little bit too much up and down. So uh, why don't you stay seated for the first song? Uh, we'll start with Here I Am to Worship. Step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to so highly exalted 
like to, you're welcome to stand for the next song. If you prefer to stay seated, that's fine. The words are also in your bulletin.
This morning's mission spot will be featuring the bunker. Kevin Hildebrandt, the director, will be here, is here with us, and he'll be sharing. I don't think he's a stranger to any of us. We've been involved in the bunker since since day one, and currently Eileen Enbrecht is sitting on the board representing our church there. Kevin. Morning, everybody. I'm Kevin Hildebrand. And uh, like Myron said, I might not be a stranger to all of you, but a lot of people have told me that I am stranger than most. So, I don't know how much of an insult that would be, but so be it. Um, so yes, I'm Kevin Hildebrandt, I'm part of the bunker. Um, give you a little bit of history of the bunker in case not all of you know exactly what it is. The bunker is a place here in Winkler that uh, connects with young people in this community. Um, some people say, oh yeah, don't you only deal with messed up kids that are doing drugs and have other addictions? I said, yep, those are kids that we have. Um, but we also take care of kids that are just striving and looking for a place to connect and find community. Uh, that's our main thing. We, we don't draw lines. We don't segregate kids based on who they are or who we think they are or who the rest of the community thinks we are. We're striving to love, <clears throat> love and bring in any and all of them. Uh, the bunker has been around since 1984. And it was actually started as part of a men's Bible study group out of this church in the birth color. Um, so the, the connection between the bunker and this church is deep and it has a lot of history. And we are very blessed by those men that had this vision so many years ago to, uh, to start this ministry. Um, there's currently four of us employed there. Uh, there's myself, I'm the executive director. And we have three ministry directors, uh, Harold Espinoza, um, 
As recently as two weeks ago, Michael Libby has joined us as ministry director, and uh, Alicia Hildebrand, who is our, um, minister, our female ministry director. Um, because despite being married for 26 years and having my own daughter, I still don't have a clue about how women work. So that is what Alicia is there to help us out with. Um, the, main, we, the main thing we do as a ministry, our main focus, our vision, our goal, is to reflect God's love through our words and our actions to any and everybody who come through our doors. Um, we do that through a bunch of various things. We've got different programs that we run throughout the week. Uh, on Monday nights, we have uh, a gaming program, which is basically anyone from ages 14, and I think the oldest person we have showing up right now is 72. And they basically just hang out and they play board games, they play card games. Um, before COVID happened, there used to be a little bit of a Crokino tournament that happened. So. Anything and everything that gives us an opportunity to connect, sit down and just connect in a group and chat and talk about life and where things are at, and just to help build community and connection amongst each other. Uh, on Tuesday nights, we have what we call our junior youth program, which is for kids from age, um, okay, grade seven, so whatever age that would be, I guess 12, so from grade seven up to grade nine. And same thing, it's just a time for the kids to come, hang out with our volunteers and our leadership, and just connect with them, build relationship, find out where life is at, um, what's going on in school. Um, as part of that, Harold and Mike also go to Winkler Elementary School every other week, and they spend a lunch hour there playing games with the kids. So even though we have a building with a bunch of walls and a foundation, we don't believe in just focusing all of our energies on the people that come to us, the people that walk through our doors. We believe very much in going out into the community, going out to where the kids are, going out to where the people are who need to hear about us and who need to have somebody connecting with them. Going to the schools is one of those things that we do. Um, on Wednesday nights, we have a really unique program. It's our slot car drag racing. Uh, Bert Pauls is one of the volunteers in that. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It is drag racing with little model slot cars. Uh, we've got a track built into the bunker. And we have, right now we currently have a lot of young people, young kids that are coming, and they come with their parents which is exactly what we wanted this thing to do in the beginning. We wanted to create something that parents could come and do with their kids. And again, it's a way of getting these people together in the building. And yes, there's racing that happens, there's the competitive part of it, but there's also the bonding part. The sitting together, because when you're not racing, you're sitting there waiting, and you're talking, and you're chatting, and you're connecting, and you're building community. Um, Friday nights we have our senior high program, which runs from grades 9 up until age 23. And it runs the same way as the other programs. Kids come in, we hang out with them, we play games with them, we shoot pool, we've got a basketball court, um, you know, all of that same stuff. Um, with that program, Mike spends at least one uh, one lunch hour <clears throat> alternating between NPC and GVC, where he goes there at lunchtime and he just connects with kids. <clears throat> it's one of those things where it's, 
you walk into the school and the kids are sitting and they're eating, it doesn't take very long to figure out which kids don't feel like they're part of a group. There's often one kid sitting by himself at a table, another one over there. Those are the kind of kids that Mike seeks out. Because we might not know them, they might know about us, and obviously they don't feel like they belong in school. They might not feel like they belong anywhere. So he spends his time seeking out kids like that. Um, like I said, Mike has been with us for about two weeks, but him and his wife have been volunteers of ours for the last three years. So he has had a lot of experience working with our kids, with our ministry, and he has just fit in so well with that. Um, as well as the programs that we have running here, Winkler, out of the bunker, we still have our sister ministry in Puerto Rico. Um, due to all of the travel restrictions and things like that, we actually haven't been there as regularly as we were in the past. It used to be that we would go every other summer and we would do a mission project out there. Uh, one week would be spent doing something in the community with the church, cleaning up stuff, cleaning up park, ministering to kids, that kind of thing. Uh, some kind of a work project just to get us out in their community. And then the last week that we would be there, we would run a VBS program with them, which was always a really cool, fun time because um, we had done it so regularly every other year that when we showed up, we would be walking down the streets handing out the invitations and there would be kids running ahead of us yelling out in, in Spanish, the Canadians are here, the Canadians are here. Because we as white Canadians were quite a novelty to uh, these people who live in Puerto Rico. They would try to look on a map to see where Winkler, Manitoba, Canada was and then when they realize that we are this little spot way out nowhere and they're down here, it just amazed them that we would even bother spending our time and our money coming out to minister to them. And that was one of the things that, that really made a connection with them, right? We, and again, it was us going to them, us going to where they are and connecting with them. And that built so much so much of a strong bond and so much community. And even though we haven't been able to travel down there and see them, we are constantly communicating with them through email and phone calls and Facebooks and other texts. Um, Harold was able to go down there about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And so that was really good just to be able to have that small point of connection again. And uh, we're really hoping that we can start heading out there again with another group shortly. Um, right now, the biggest issue is the cost of flights down there. Um, but you know what? In God's timing, when it's ready for us to go back, we're pretty certain we're going to be able to go back. Um, and so, yeah, that's the stuff that we have going on currently. And uh, also want to give you a little bit of some insight into some future stuff that we've got going on. Um, <clears throat> if, if any of you know where the bunker is, it's on uh, 545 Industrial Drive. Uh, if you know where Central Station used to be or the food cupboard, we're that third little piece on that, uh, that, that complex. Uh, as you also know, Central Station and the food cupboard have moved. They're now in the Main Street Plaza Mall. So their space has all opened up. 
And uh, one of the things we as a ministry, as an organization, have been praying about for a lot of years are different dreams that God has for us, different ways he wants us to be in the community and uh, help continue to, cre to create community. And one of those things is we've always had this, this wild and crazy dream of opening up a restaurant. And now that that space is available beside us, that's what we're moving towards. We are gonna open up a restaurant in the former Central Station food cupboard space. Uh, the reason we wanna do that is because we, in all the years of connecting with kids, we generally work with kids that have trouble getting work in other places. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as, I don't like the color of your hair, or you have three too many piercings, or whatever it might be, right? They get judged by their appearance and not by their skills or their heart or who they are. And so what we wanna do is we wanna open up a restaurant so that we can start to employ those kids. The, the purpose of this too is no matter who we hire, everybody we hire, our goal is we wanna bring each and every person to a more positive place in their life. You know, part of that will obviously be giving them a job that pays them fair wages so that they can continue to live. But the other part is we want to be able to have an opportunity to intentionally build into their lives. If you're not with them, how can you love them? If you're not constantly with them in community, how can you change their lives? And so that's what we want to do. And it started off initially that we wanted to focus on hiring what people refer to as marginalized kids, marginalized youth, right? The kids who are on the outside edges of society. But an interesting thing has happened over the last few months since this plan has started to develop and, and have a building and I've been talking to more and more people about it. It started to come forward that there would be, there would be seniors that would come forward to me and they're like, I've heard about your restaurant idea, tell me about it. So I explained exactly what I've told you guys, kind of the concept of it. And a lot of them have asked right away, can I come work there too? Can I come volunteer there? Because what I've discovered is that there's a lot of seniors, a lot of people like you guys, a lot of others that feel that they are marginalized, that they have been pushed to the outside edge of society because of the way you look. Your hair is too gray, you're too old, you must not be capable. You maybe don't, can't keep up anymore. I don't know, maybe none of you have ever heard that, maybe some of you have, but I've had people come to me and tell me that's how they feel. And so now they wanna come and they wanna work in the restaurant. One, because everybody wants to feel like they have value, right? Amen? Yes, everybody wants to feel value. Everybody wants to feel like they have a place in the community and that they have something that they can give back and put in. And we want to put these young people that feel like they don't belong and nobody cares about them and that they're not good enough for anything anymore. We want to match them up with anybody, seniors who want to come and work in a place where they feel they still have a lot to offer, that they have something more to offer other than just volunteering at MCC or the food cupboard, which are great places to volunteer, but not everybody wants to do that. Some people want to bake buns all day or make soup or desserts but the key thing is they want to connect with other young people. They want to connect with people that remind them of their grandkids or remind them of their own kids. And they want to pour 
their God-given gifts and passions into the next, into the next generation. They want to see young people come closer to God, and they feel like they have a passion and an ability to do that. These are the kind of people that we all want to put together in one place for the purpose of making food. And that even when the customers who come to a restaurant, that they see how we are acting, the way our staff are interacting together, and that they, when they come in, no matter where they're from, they come in and they feel that there is something different in this place. They want to, I want them to be able to feel the love of God through the way we as staff are interacting with each other. <clears throat> and that's the, that's the exciting part of opening up something like this. The terrifying part <laughs> is that I've never opened a restaurant before. I've never run one before. And you know what? There's, we're not at that point yet even of starting construction or renovation, and there's been so many roadblocks, so many stumbling blocks in our way. And despite all that, through prayer, we are very, very confident that this is what God wants us to do. We don't have the money for it yet, and I don't care. God provides all that. This is his plan, and all we have been asked to do is be faithful and try to walk through it with him. Right? Because we strongly believe that everything and anything we do has to be us reflecting God's love to others. And that the end goal of that is to lead others towards him so that they may accept Christ. No matter what I do as a human being, no matter how much I love, no matter how many good works I do, no one can accept God through me. That has to be between them, God, and the Holy Spirit. I can lead them there, I can get them there but the rest has to be between them. And so I and our staff and our volunteers and our board, everybody is focused on that same goal, that through everything we do, we wanna reflect God's love through our words and actions. And thank you guys very much for all your support for us, for all the prayers you've sent our way, all the encouragement you give us when you run into us on the street or if you come to the bunker or wherever it is that you meet us. I wanna thank you guys very much for that because without that, we're doomed. We can't do anything without the, the support of God and the support of people like you. So thank you very much. And if any of you ever have any questions or, or, or anything to do with our restaurant or any of the programs that we're doing, feel free to come by the bunker and you can chat with any of us and uh, we'll do our best to answer your questions. Thank you very much for having me this morning. Have a great service. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate that very much. Uh, it's good for us to be uh, brought in tune again with, uh, with ministries that we know about uh, but haven't heard from for a while. So thank you, Kevin. Um, Pastor Dean is going to uh, come up and tell us a little bit about Discovery Group. So Dean, would you come on up and do that? Okay, if you would take your um, bulletins with me, turn to page three, that's in the center, page three, and about halfway down you will see a listing entitled Discovery Groups, which are Bible studies. And we'd like to begin, in ho uh, begin home Bible studies where you can gather in the home to study the word, care, and share. If you would like to be in the group, opportunity will be given to sign up during the worship service and during the week. So we're going to have our ushers, if they would come at this time, 
And at the back, the ushers will see that there are some uh, charts or some, some uh, clipboards, and they have a list on there. On that list, you will see three columns. Number one is a place where you can put your name. Number two is your address or your apartment block that you live in. And number three, your phone number. And what we're going to be doing is collecting these names as the, we hand them out and, and we'd ask you to sign up. This is an opportunity to get to know the Lord better, to get to know other people in the church better, and also an opportunity to invite, invite others. You will find that in the groups we do a number of things. Number one, we take a passage of scripture, we look at it. Number two, then we look at the application. Number three, we share prayer requests and we encourage one another by praying for a number or for, for each other. And then number four, we're able also to invite others to these groups. And this is a time of encouragement and the time where we see God moving. So I'm going to ask the ushers if they would come, take those books, and, or pardon me, the clipboards, and start passing them out. And as Pastor Victor comes and makes more announcements, we would ask that you take Put your name down, and then we will be contacting you and placing you in different groups. Give it a shot, and why I say give it a shot, you might think, oh, I don't really want to do this. Try it. It's a time of encouragement, a time where we can pray for one another. So the ushers, if you would come, and um, you can hand those clipboards out and let the people sign them. Thank you, Dean. And I think if uh, we, we have some of our people who are watching this uh, remotely uh, and later in the week um, and you're not here and you can't sign up, uh, you're also welcome to sign up. So call, call the church office and, uh, and you can get involved as well. A few other announcements. Our missionaries of the week are Don and Shar. And you know that they have recently moved back to their region of the world and they're busy trying to set up house. I haven't heard a report lately how things are going there, uh, but uh, they had plans in place and we trust that things are moving ahead. So pray for them as they uh, continue to get set up there. And also uh, just a reminder here that uh, Canadian Bible Society uh, works uh, together with Triple E in putting Bibles in their motorhomes. And so we trust that that's also a ministry that has, has an effect. And uh, pray that people will find those Bibles when they need them. <clears throat> uh, you probably remember, I don't know how long ago it was, uh, um, Myron put out a call for, for helpers to go and put shingles on a roof of a cabin. Uh, we accepted the challenge to, to do that. The camp needs help and, and, and needs some free labor to, to do that. So uh, we provided it. And uh, I told Myron, well, I'll come. And uh, he phoned Jay and Jay came. And so three of us were there. So we had two roofers and me. <coughs> My back's fine, thank you. Yeah, it took a few days, but we're good. <laughs> And then Barb came by and, and helped us with some of the work uh, as well. So thank you, Barb. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a, just so you know that these things come and go and you don't always hear about them. I have some pictures actually that are evidence that we were there. I just didn't have them up here this morning. Anyway, 
we, we went and we did that, and having volunteered for one roof, we found out, oh, there were three. So uh, there, that's how we spent the day. Um, <clears throat> again, we're looking for volunteer drivers to, uh, to take people to uh, doctor's appointments. We have uh, women, I think, and we also need some men to do that. We have membership and baptism classes coming up. They will be starting next Sunday, November 6th. Uh, do we know which room we're meeting in yet, Pastor Dean? Okay. Okay. So uh, if that interests you, meet at, the, at where the offices are. Uh, Dean will be there, and then we, you can uh, join him for that class. Then also we have uh, in the hospital, Tina Suderman, and uh, uh, that's here, and in Carmen, uh, Nettie Jansen is still there. Pray for them, visit them if you can. Uh, and also a note of thanks, uh, sorry, an expression of sympathy, uh, John Dick passed away and that is not our John Dick. Are you here, John? John's here. So. It's not, the, it's not our John, but it is another John Dick who's passed away, a brother to Mary Miller. And a note of thanks um, from the family of Mary Demke's family uh, at her passing. So let's also remember that family. Did I miss anything? Oh, I did. This morning, fresh news. Are you familiar with Union Gospel Mission? Union Gospel Mission is having a fundraising dessert night hosted by the EMM Church, uh, EMMC Church on Southview Drive. That's November 4, Friday at 7 p.m. They'll have testimonies and singing and, a, and desserts. So it looks like a, a good evening. Ushers, I think we're ready for you and we can uh, would you please stand to pray? Oh, I should say one more thing. The, uh, the youth event that we asked you to pray about, six youth showed up, a seventh one said he wanted to come, uh, but couldn't that day, so praise the Lord. Here's a, here's a group of people that are willing to come together and uh, we wanna have Bible study and fellowship together. That's, that's just so fantastic. So keep praying about this ministry. It might take a little bit of uh, stumbling and bumbling to get it going, uh, but we would invite your continued prayer. All right, let's bow to pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day and I thank you for uh, all the many ministries that are taking place in our town. We thank you for the bunker and how, how that reaches out to get people connected. Thank you also, Father, for um, other ministry that happens at our Bible camps and that even we are able to be involved there and in helping them to maintain their property. But we especially pray for the ministry that happens in young hearts and minds, uh, that people would come to know Jesus Christ. Father, we also thank you uh, for this new discovery group ministry that, um, that we're launching. And we pray, Father, that um, that that would be a useful ministry to get your people around the word. Father, we want to be faithful. We also want to be prepared for a world which is, uh, seems increasingly going against you. That means uh, 
we might see Jesus' words come true in a, in a whole new way, that if the world hated him, it'll hate us too. So, Father, we want to be prepared for such a time, and we do that by getting around your word. And so I pray, Father, that you would move us to get around your word, to study it, to uh, discuss it together, and then to apply it to our lives. And now, Father, we uh, also want to bring before you those who suffer. We uh, mentioned Tina Suderman and Nettie Jansen, and also uh, others who are uh, mourning, Mary Miller and her family, and also the Demke family. Uh, and you know the many funerals we've had just in, in recent weeks. And so, Father, uh, would you minister to these people as they continue to process life without that loved one? It's a hard road, and uh, I pray that those who have understanding of it would be a comfort to those who now grieve. Father, now we want to give back to you. We want to uh, return to you, as many of your faithful servants have done in the scriptures. We read about them. Um, we pray that you would accept our gifts, that you would use them. Uh, we give them because we love you. We give them because uh, you have asked us to be generous. And so we want to do what is right and pleasing in your sight. Thank you for the, what you have blessed us with. Would you accept our gifts in Jesus' name? Amen. You may be seated.
Good morning. Scripture reading today is from James chapter 5, verses 7 to 12. I'm reading from the ESV, so it may not match exactly. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of, the, uh, of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Good morning. In his book, King's Cross, the story of the world in the life of Jesus, Tim Keller says this about patience. Patience is love for the long haul. It is bearing up under difficult circumstances without giving up or giving into bitterness. Patience means working with gratification when gratification is delayed. It means taking what life offers, even if it means suffering, without lashing out. And when, you, when you're in a situation that you're troubled over, or when there's delays or pressures on you, or something not happening to what you want to happen, there's always a temptation to come to the end of your patience. You may well have lost your patience before you're ever made aware of it. Let me repeat that last, uh, that last dumb sentence. You may well have lost your patience before you're ever aware of it, close quote. Living the Christian life is never easy. Trials are a reality. It's not a matter of if they're going to come. It's a matter of when they will come, and they will come. We need patience when we're going through trials, tribulations, temptations, tests, difficulty, suffering, and hardship. And from the beginning of this letter that James has written to the believers scattered across the nations, they were all facing trials. In James chapter 1, as we read many, many um, uh, weeks ago, it says this, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may, mature, may be mature and not lacking in anything. Notice the purpose and the goal of trials and testings are to bring believers to maturity. That's what the goal is. The goal is to bring us to maturity. Therefore, no matter how much we dislike 
or even hate these trials, they are ordained to bring us to maturity. They are ordained by God himself to bring us to maturity. This morning, as we continue on in James' encouragement for the, for the race in life, we want to focus on James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. But before we go to the central part of the message, I want to give you once again a little bit of background. Throughout the letter, James affectionately calls these um, believers brothers and includes himself in the addresses in the need to grow into maturity because we never, find, we never stop growing until we reach the other side. Then just before this morning's passage that we will be focusing on, which is James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, James addresses the Christian business people in chapter 4, verses 13 to 17 that we have already looked at, and the non-Christian rich person in chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And the Christian businessman in chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, he gently admonishes them for running their business the same way that the world would run their business. In other words, people sometimes just think, well, the business is the business, and it's apart from God. But the business is not the business because everything we do is the business of the Lord, and he needs to be consulted all the time. To those who are rich and non-believers, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, um, uh, he says this to them. He does not call them brothers. Instead, he openly, severely criticizes them. And in verse 5, he says this. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. These are not encouraging words that he had to say to these individuals because their sin was not that they were rich. The sin was that they were misusing their finances and taking advantage of the poor and other people. And of course, James brings admonishment to them. This leads us to this morning's message. These early believers faced all kinds of trials, and one of them was taking, being taken advantage of by the rich. And therefore, James instructs them on how to endure trials patiently. So I've entitled this message simply this, Patience, patiently enduring trials. That's what we're called to do. We are to endure the trials. Now, trials come in all forms and shapes and sizes. And sometimes one person's trial is not the same as the other, but God calls us to go through them. So before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we realize more than ever that you allow these things to come into our lives to fit us for the kingdom of God. And they only come as we go through hardships and difficulty. And how can we develop patience unless our patience are actually tried? I pray, Father, that you help us to walk through the trials that you have given us so that we can become mature people ready for the kingdom of God. And we know that this will happen not by ourselves, but as we walk with you hand in hand. Help us to realize we cannot do it on our strength, but we have to rely on you every step of the journey. I pray now, speak to us as we look into your word. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
patiently enduring trials, number one, until the Lord returns. How long? Until the Lord returns, verses seven and eight. Be patient then, brothers, uh, James says, until the Lord's coming. That is a long time. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. How long have we been living in the last days? Well, we've been living in the last days for 2,000 years already. And one day the Lord is going to return quickly. James calls these early believers to be patient, which means remain calm and self-controlled amidst trials, suffering, persecutions, and hardships. These were all the different types of hardships that they were going through. Anyone can be calm and controlled when the river is peaceful or the lake is peaceful and the boat is just sailing along and the water is clear and sparkling, then you can be calm. But what happens when trials come? What happens when the waves come? What happens when the storm blows in? What happens when life gets turbulent? Will these believers have patience and self-control? Will you and I have patience and self-control when the big storms come? If we cannot handle the little storms that the Lord brings our way. The question is, how long are we to have patience? And the answer, once again, is until the Lord returns. That's a long time. According to Jesus, Matthew 24, um, verse 36, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. And that's speaking of the Lord's return. The only way these believers will have the character trait of being patient so they can endure is by walking daily with the Lord while they, while they are waiting for his return. We wait, and we wait, and we wait. And in the meantime, there are trials, there are hardships, there's difficulties, there's new things happening to us that we never expected. James gives them the example of the farmer in regards to being patient. First, the farmer must plant his crop and not just wait one day or a week or a month, but perhaps several months. It takes time and often the weeds grow faster than the crop. And you plant the garden, it's the same way. It's amazing how fast those weeds will grow. Then there is the problem if it does not rain or if it rains too much. All sorts of problems that come. Then the crop, then when the crop is growing nicely, an infestation of insects occurs and certain wild animals come and bring havoc on the crop. But on the other hand, suppose all goes well and the crop matures beautifully and it is just wonderful as you look at it. Will the farmer's equipment, he thinks to himself, will it last or will it break down? Was he able to get qualified workers who can, can uh, at last or who can last through the whole harvest? And for farmers, so much is hanging on uncertainty. And if he does not have patience, he becomes a wreck. I've often heard individuals say this, 
that farming is way easier today physically than it was many years ago. But what really gets a lot of farmers is the stress. The stress of waiting, and that's even worse than physical work. Although the crop cycles are different here than in Israel, the same result happens when the farmer plants. According to Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, tells us about those results. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the, front of the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Close quote. If the farmer is patient, he will, he will see a crop and a harvest, and the Lord will provide. So likewise, if a, patient is, if a believer is patient, God will use the trials and the hardships to produce a fruitful life of maturity, displaying God's grace and strength at work. What God wants more for us than anything else is maturity. That's why he has us down here. When we are mature, then things begin to happen. We have a better relationship with the Lord. We're able to share the gospel with others. God is able to answer um, our prayers. And God gets the glory in everything. But it happens as we, as we mature, and that can only come through trials and tribulations. I'm sure many of you are thinking the same way as me. I don't like that idea of maturity. We all believe that God is all power and can do anything that he wants, right? So we ask ourselves the question, well, if God can do anything, why, doesn't he, why does he have to have us go through tribulations and, and trials and, and, and temptations? Why can't he just make us mature already? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And we all think to ourselves, that would be wonderful. But God doesn't do it because he has a plan and he has a purpose and he has a reason for all, for the reason, and he has a reason why he does all these things. This now leads us to the second step of patiently enduring trials, number two, so we will not grumble and be judged, verse nine. So we will not grumble and be judged. Don't grumble against each other, he says. Brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. As the farmer waits patiently for the crop, he actively engages in doing his part. He is not idle. He just doesn't sit there waiting for everything to happen. The grower knows he cannot control the weather and the insect infestation. However, he can constrain the wild animals and make sure the equipment and the backup equipment is available when the harvest comes and that he has enough qualified workers to go the distance. He is busy preparing, doing his part, knowing that the Lord will do his part. God won't do our part, and we can't do God's part. 
It is so vital for a farmer that he does not engage in fighting with those around him. Disputes can happen quickly, and they need to be avoided, lest all the energy is diverted into fighting instead of the goal of bringing in the harvest. And one of the traits of a farmer is that they help their neighbors and go the extra mile to bring peace at whatever it costs. More than likely, that is what James was thinking about when he says, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. As believers, we must live in harmony with one another or we will face the consequences. The children of Israel grumbled against the Lord many times. In chapter 20 of Numbers, they complained bitterly to Moses that they did not have water to drink. They grumbled before the Lord. They grumbled before um, Moses. God told Moses to go and take them to the place and speak to the rock, and it would pour forth water. And Moses went, but in the meantime, he was so upset with the people, instead he struck the rock, and the water came forth. But did he pay a price for that? Both Moses and the children of Israel forfeited the entrance into the Promised Land. Yes, the Israelites went in, but it was their children who went in and took possession. Living in harmony and not grumbling with the Lord and one another is essential in bringing the harvest of maturity in a believer's life. For that's what God desires more than anything, that we become mature in our lives. This now brings us to the third step of patiently enduring trials. Patiently enduring trials, number one, by fo- or number three, by following the examples of the prophets. By following the examples of the prophets, verses 10 through 11. Verse 10 says, Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we considered blessed those who have, have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Close quote. In these two verses, James gives another two examples of those who patiently endured suffering and trials. First, the prophets, and second, was, a righteous, uh, was righteous people such as Job. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, the, book, uh, the book's author lists the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. Both prophets and righteous people living, who were living were displayed to encourage believers to live patiently while they are suffering for the Lord. We look at the examples how they led their lives and how they were faithful in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trying. Some faith heroes who patiently endured suffering and trials and testings were Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and Rahab. 
And in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 38, more heroes of the faith are, lift, are listed along with their sufferings. So they've suffered, many of these people suffered greatly, even with the loss of their lives. Listen to how some of these believers suffered for the Lord as I read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 38. And what shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, and who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what, is, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign, foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were changed and, chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskin, goatskin, destined, persecuted, destitute, pardon me, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in the desert, mount, they wandered in the deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground, close quote. What a lifestyle for serving the Lord. I'm sure if the Lord called people to come and serve him and told them what would happen to them, nobody would volunteer. Everybody would say, not me, take somebody else. Each of these faithful followers of the Lord in the Old Testament suffered differently, but they persevered as they endured the trials. Now listen to what Jesus says to his followers in his Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Jesus says this to his followers, the ones that he is calling. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in some way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Yes, the prophets who went before the children here, they were persecuted. Did you see the promise in verse 12? Notice the promise. It says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. The believer's reward is not down here. Yes, we might have some blessings down here, but our reward is not down here. Our reward is eternal and will last forever. The believer's reward is in heaven. Therefore, we patiently endure trials by imitating those godly people who went before us and realizing a great reward is waiting for every believer including us, as we have served the Lord faithfully. Now we come to the last step of patiently enduring trials. 
so we will not be condemned, verse 12. Patiently enduring trials, so we will not be condemned. Verse 12 says this, above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. To swear does not mean taking the Lord's name in vain, blaspheming or talking dirty. Instead, it is invoking something greater than yourself that you are telling the truth. This type of action indicates that as long as one is not swearing by something greater than himself, well, he can lie and do whatever he, he really wants unless he has to take an oath. Then that's the only time you would tell the truth, and perhaps you wouldn't even do it there. The believer's call is to live a life of truth and honesty at all times without swearing to he by heaven or earth. Jesus put it all in perspective when he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. When we are honest and live by the truth, we will not fall into condemnation when Christ returns. We are called to be patient in trials, like Jesus is patient with us. 1 Timothy 1.16 says this, and the Apostle Paul is writing, Yet for this reason I found mercy. For as in me the foremost, Jesus Christ demonstrated his, perf her, his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Notice his perfect patience. Jesus has perfect patience. He had it with Paul, and he has it with you and I. I close with this anonymous quote entitled, Put on true beauty. Follow after patience, as Paul speaks in 1 Timothy chapter 1.16. Patience is the guardian of faith, the perseverer of peace, the cherisher of love, the teacher of humility. Patience governs the flesh, strengthens the spirit, sweetens the temper, stifles angers, extinguishes envy, subdues pride, it bridles the tongue, restrains the hand, tramples upon temptations, endures persecution, consummates martyrdom, produce, patient produces unity in the church, loyalty to the state, harmony in family and society. It confronts the poor and moderates the rich. It makes us humble in prosperity, cheerful in adversity, unmoved by calamity and reproach. It teaches us to forgive those who have injured us and to be the first in asking to forg for forgiveness of those whom we've injured. It delights the faithful, invites the unbelieving, it adorns the woman and approves the man. It is beautiful in either sex and every age. Patience is clothed and robed as the martyrs, and, it's, and in its hand it holds the scepter in the form of the cross. 
It rides not on the whirlwind and the stormy tempests of passion, but its throne is the humble and the contrite heart, and its kingdom is the kingdom of peace. Patience is what we need. And the only way that the Lord perfects us, perfects us in us, is by trials, tribulations, and hardships. May we say with James at the beginning, it is joy when we are tried. For when we are tried, we persevere and we become mature in Christ. I invite you to stand for our last song. Uh, we'll sing How Great Is Our God. Oh 
I'm going to give the benediction. And before, I just want to make one announcement. Before you run out, allow um, Pastor Victor and Eileen and myself and Cheryl to make our ways to the doors so that we can um, shake people's hand. So um, the benediction is this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Heavenly Father, more than anything, we need your strength. We need your power. We are weak and we fumble and we stumble. Heavenly Father, help us to rely upon you. You bring our trials, you bring us difficulties, you bring the things that we dislike and yet therefore are good. I pray that we would receive them with joy and we would see your hand in the midst of everything. I pray, Father, now that as we go into this new week, that your hand would be upon us, that we would be looking for your leading and your guidance. We pray, Lord, you'd give us strength as we walk. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come into your house and worship you. For this, we praise you. Amen.